Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and this is my co-host. I am Chris Huddleston. And today we are both very excited to be chatting it up with you about the brand new release on HBO Max of Zack Snyder's Justice League. strong enough. If you can't bring down the charging bull and don't wave the red cape at it, you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. of heroes who never come again. trailer do you have a synopsis for us chris i do i do and a couple of things that i did want to say before the synopsis so this is the brand newest of brand new movies we've ever done i mean this hasn't even been out for a week so if you haven't seen this right you want to watch it right just turn this off skip and watch this it. one yeah skip, yeah we don't and, usually do this we don't usually do bleeding new movies partly for that reason we also we've kind of stayed away from the big budget comic book franchises like i mean we talk about the mcu on here enough but we don't like review the marvel movies um so this is a big blockbustery one it's a little out of our wheelhouse yeah it is it is a little bit and uh the other thing that for people who don't know this is the original director on this film that was released in theaters in 2017 zach snyder had left uh, i think mainly due to the death of his daughter and they released a two-hour cut, and then he was able to go back and he got $70 million from HBO or Warner Brothers or whatever to do his ultimate version, which is now four hours. I don't know. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself uh, here, but I saw the original once, um, 
I don't know that either of us are super well versed in what the differences are between these two movies. I mean, we can get into that some, but but we're not going to do a point by point. You know, this the, here's where it's different. And no, and I, I don't think I don't. I you correct me if if I'm misspeaking for you, but I'm not a DC enthusiast. Like I'm not a fanboy that can tell you the back story of dark side and i just i don't know and i like i'm I'm more more so on the marvel side because i used to collect marvel comic books but that was when i was in my 14 15 you know that was when i was a kid so i like i mean i I, this is for me this will definitely not be like a uh dc versus marvel thing i like both and and some of my some of my favorite superhero movies are are DC movies, so it's not like I. And some of my favorites are Marvel. So, and I, I again, like you, I don't have an intimate knowledge of every single, you know. I'm sure there are Easter eggs in here that I am not, but you know, that went over my head. But, um, but so yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get into these point by point differences. But um, so uh, that said. The IMD synopsis is Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans, would be the Justice League, to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. So, all right, Chris, what what did you think? Well, um, it was a long one. Uh, it's like four hours long. And I didn't think it needed to be that long, for sure. Uh, I thought the, most of the first half was kind of origin story stuff. And maybe because we had dealt with some of that. I saw the the studio release once also and was pretty disappointed in it. I didn't find it all that entertaining. Um so I don't know if it was part of it is that that I had seen before or seen some of before, but there were good. I mean, I'm not gonna totally um, run it down. There were some sequences, particularly okay. And I'll just reiterate. I'll reiterate. We spoil this. So if you haven't seen it, really do yourself and you're interested. I know some some of my friends who listen to this don't don't care for comic book movies, so whatever. But I'm just gonna go ahead and reveal everything. So. The, the 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 part after Superman comes back, I think it picks up. Yes, definitely. Um, and I enjoyed a number of the sequences. I enjoyed the sequence in which Superman comes back uh, quite a bit. And you get to sort of see all of these other characters that I think are less interesting in this film. This is my favorite... Um, this is my favorite of this iteration of Superman that I've seen so far on screen. There's been several Supermen, um, but and and there's been a couple of couple three movies with Henry Cavill. Cavill, how do you say his name? I'm never sure if it's Cavill or Cavill or, but I like him. <laughs> I mean, it's pronounced. How do you say it? I like the guy. <laughs> uh, so you know he 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 really shines in this one for me. He's great. He's great. yeah, and I I liked him better. I think in other podcasts I've been I'm like, ah, it's not quite the right casting, but it really landed for me in this this viewing. I was like, now that that's a good fit, right? Whatever they're doing with him there. Um, so I mean, yeah, I could just talk and talk and talk because and ramble all over the place. But what were your, you know, what was your first imp- overall? I can, 
I can sum this movie up how I felt about it with two scenes. And and I agree with you that it definitely after Superman comes back, it's definitely much better. And I enjoyed the last hour, I would say, um, more than the rest of it. And the, from what I could tell, the last hour had more of the new stuff. A lot of it through the movie I was watching and I was just like, okay, I, I remember this part. I remember this part. Remember, you know, what's different. Mm-hmm. But, but in the first 45 minutes or so, there are two scenes. The first one is in London in a bank. And there are these guys that go into the bank and you initially think that they are bank robbers, but they're actually terrorists and they want to blow up the bank for whatever reason. Um, and uh, because they, crazy, because crazy, yeah. They and, and they put a pin in that because I want to come back to that. Uh, okay, but but proceed. And they they take a bunch of kids hostage, and Wonder Woman uh, goes in and you know and foils these guys and and saves the day. And I don't really, other than to just give a little bit of an origin of her, I don't really know what purpose the scene served, but I liked it and. While I, w- I was I was thinking about this, a lot of this I was watching just the 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 way it was filmed and put together and all that as as much as the plot. And I kept thinking compared to a Marvel film, the Marvel films to me are fast food basically. Mm-hmm. They um, you know, fast food, you go to McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, you're hungry, it hits the spot. Yeah, you it's, really enjoy it while you're eating it, and then it's over. Yeah, an hour later, you forgot about it, and you're never going to say to anybody, "Wow, I went to McDonald's today, and it was amazing." You right. know, but let it, me but tell you about spot. this amazing hot, uh, you know, yeah, this Big hamburger. Mac that I had or whatever, this quarter pounder, and that's kind of how I feel about the Marvel movies. They're all they're well done, great they, popcorn, great blockbuster summer popcorn movies they are made to appeal to the widest possible audience but they're not i wouldn't say they're art right in this film there are so like this uh this uh scene that i'm talking about in london i'm watching this and i'm thinking wow the way he moves the camera the composition of some of these shots is really fantastic and I'm thinking it's probably better than anything in any of the Marvel movies. Um, and Zack Snyder himself, I, I don't, you know, he seems like a lovely guy and he has done work that I really enjoy. I think I loved Watchmen. And after watching this movie, I went back and watched the opening credit scene from Watchmen mm-hmm. where it's uh, the times they are changing and it's like showing the, you know, the kind of progression of Watchmen from where they started in like the 1940s or whatever it is up till to the eighties. And I think that is, and I've watched that a bunch of times cause I just love that. I love that scene and it's, I just think it's fantastic. So I think he's a very talented director and there are definitely points in this where it's like, okay, this is beyond just the fast food you're getting into real quality filmmaking. And I, I, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know if you want to put a pin in it, but that scene in London was just like, this is really good. And then a few minutes later, we have a scene on Wonder Woman's Island. 
and it is her sisters, as they call them all the time. They're fighting Steppenwolf, who is the, the main villain in this. And the ground is CGI. The sky is CGI. The mountains are CGI. The horses that they are riding on are CGI. Steppenwolf is CGI, you know? And right. it's just Steppenwolf's like... Steppenwolf's armor, which moves. Which moves, yeah. And we'll get into that because I, I have some comments that I want to make about that later. But it's just like... I've had a scene, a small, unimportant scene that I was just like, that was really good. I enjoy that. And then there's this scene and it just looks like a a video game and I have no attachment to it. It's, it's blatantly obvious that they're, you know, just on a set and green screen and I just feel nothing. And there are, this movie just seems like a near miss to me in a lot of ways because there are scenes and, you know, I want to, I don't want to be a curmudgeon. I like fun things, you know, <laughs> and I think about a, you know, I was trying to think of other movies, um, you know, sort of in this genre, in this wheelhouse recently that are just fun movies, but they are very well done. And one that I kept coming back to is Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, That's a movie that basically has no plot. It's just a giant uh, it's just one long uh, car chase, but it works and it's exciting and it's right. thrilling. The plot is really like Matt, a couple of characters sort of help a couple of a, a few other characters get away from the bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole plot of the movie. Like he gets caught. He meets somebody else there who also kind of wants to get away, and then there's some women that want to get away, and the two, Mad Max and the other one kind of load the women in the back of a truck, and then it's a big getaway. The entire movie's a big getaway. That's that's it. That's the plot. But it was really entertaining, and you feel you know like there are stakes, and and and, and I'm you know you brought up like there are things that that just look cool. There uh, there was a shot early on with Aquaman where Aquaman walks out, you know, it's this little village and I don't know where it's supposed to be Sweden or something like that, where he kind of, you know, watches over these people. And there's a part where he's going out into the ocean and he just sort of walks out onto this like stone area and he stands there and the water just splashes up around him. And then he like disappears into the, you know, into the sea. And I thought that is a shot that just looks cool. So I'm not against, you know, uh, uh, shots like this, that it's just for the sake of being cool. And, and going back to Mad Max Fury Road, there's a, uh, you know, it's just, it's not a long sequence or anything, but they have a, a, a truck with these big speakers on it. And there's just a guy with a guitar <laughs> that flames shoot out of it. It's totally ridiculous, but you watch it and you just think that's really cool. That's just awesome. Right. Yep, and totally I, memorable, completely unique. You've never seen anything like that on camera before. But with Justice League, I felt like, I kept thinking like, it's almost like this was created by a bunch of frat guys who like comic books. And it was, and they were just kept thinking, dude, you know what would be really badass? Is if we had the villain, Steppenwolf, has armor that's made of a million little pieces of metal and they just move around, you know, that would be badass. Or, uh, you know, what if we had Aquaman when he first walks into the bat cave say, 
Alfred, this is badass, you know? And, and then, and like, uh, we want to make this rated R. Why? I don't know. It's basically a kid's movie, but how are we going to make it rated R? We're going to have, uh, a scene with Batman and the Joker and the Joker is talking shit about Batman's parents. And Batman says, if you ever say that again, I'll fucking kill you. You know? And it's just like, why did that, you know, it's just like, so we're going to have it be rated R. Why? What's the, we're going to throw in a couple of F bombs, you know, to, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now, but, well, but, but on that subject. Okay. So this goes back to the pin I wanted to drop in. She thwarts wonder woman thwarts some bad guys because bad guy, because evil. Right. Right. There's no, the bad guys. We'll start with the, with the big one right here is the bad guys in this movie are utterly forgettable, generic, nothing. Right. I mean, so Steppenwolf is like a heavy that works for dark side who is basically Thanos from the Marvel cinematic without any motivation. I mean, he just basically wants to control everything and kill everybody for no reason other than he's evil. And, He's got a couple of other heavies that there's some hierarchy of heavies that we don't understand. And Steppenwolf wants to get back into his good graces. None of this is ever explained. They're all CGI. The design of these things is utterly generic, right? Steppenwolf's mm-hmm. got kind of kind of got horns and Darkseid's kind of got chin armor. <laughs> And one of his other heavies is wearing a big cloak. It's just vague. And you think, you know, why have all these heavies? You know, it's just like we we could do the scene with two characters, but let's do it with six. Yeah. For no reason. And she goes to thwart these bad guys and it turns out, oh, they don't want the money. They just want to blow everybody up. Why? Because they're cultists or they're crazy. It doesn't matter. Right. It's just they're just something for the hero to stop. And I think that's lazy. Yes. And boring. Yeah. The other the other aspect of it is. In this take. Right. We've seen a lot of different Batman movies, too. We all the way back to um, the 80s when we had um, Tim Burton doing his really interesting Batman movies and, of course, Christopher Nolan's trilogy that I thought was super entertaining. Mm-hmm. And, and and then all the way up through, you know, all the ones that happened with um, in between. And, and here we have a Batman. For some reason in this movie, Ben Affleck's Batman has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have never seen any iteration of Batman where he makes jokes you know yeah and at this one is like what's your superpower again i'm rich <laughs> you're yeah. like wait so he's tony stark i mean it's like they're trying to and the flash is basically is basically spider-man well i'm the young kid who doesn't you know i just can't shut up and i'm, I'm cra- i don't understand oh i'm sorry we're supposed to be cool now okay you know what i mean yeah I, I definitely know what you're saying but you know one thing about that that i that i was thinking also And even if the jokes, you know, don't necessarily work that well, without the jokes, this would be so dour, you know? I mean, there's, it's so overly serious. But, but I agree it is overly serious. I don't, 
I don't think that it should be without levity. I just think mm-hmm. that D.C. has constantly fumbled that ball. And the last person you want to give the punchlines to is the character Batman. Right. right? Yeah. Batman in this in this assortment of superheroes, right? Batman's the only just normal human. He's the only one that doesn't have special powers. So what they said is, what are we going to do? Okay, we're going to give him really amazing CGI gadgets, like crazy. It's like a crab that walks up walls. And, you know, they give him mm-hmm. a huge a huge ship, you know, airplane that flies them all around and stuff. And you're kind of like, somebody says, you have a satellite? And he's like, I have six. And it's just... Batman's a strategist. Batman's, um, he's a code cracker, right? He's the guy that always manages to kind of think one step ahead of the, you know, he's, if anything, if we're comparing Marvel, which I know you didn't want to do, he's more of no, the no, kind that's, of. We can compare it. That's that's fine. I, what I was kind of just. Less Tony Stark and more like Doctor Strange. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he's, he doesn't say much. He's constantly playing the game of chess in his head and trying, you know what I mean? He's one step ahead of you and in the shadows. And he does it all by not drawing attention to himself. And I think again and again, I just thought, I mean, I like Ben Affleck. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck. No. But I think it's not just, it's not, oh, he's miscast in this. It's that the whole conceptualization of Batman is, feels off to me. You know, mm-hmm. it just feels yeah, yeah. like it's not in sync with the the core of what I think of the character of Batman as. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm fine with comparing with uh, with Marvel. I probably should have been a little more uh, clear. I, what I didn't want to get into was like a Coke versus Pepsi thing where it's like I'm a Marvel fan and oh, I hate DC yeah, or I'm a DC whatever. fan. And, I mean, I like, you know, the Joker movie with... Uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. I thought was amazing. It I love really, that. Really, really interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, and you know, there are Marvel movies that I love. So it's, I, I just didn't want to be like, I'm a, in one camp or, or the other, you know, I, I think there are both. I, Marvel has definitely done a better job overall than what, than what DC has with their, their movies. Cause they're just kind of all over the place. And that Joker movie actually managed to be really edgy. I mean, I saw some, some reviews of it, that were like, I hated this film. And mm-hmm. I understand I understand that feedback. And, and there were some pundits that were sort of concerned that it glorified this. I don't want to be inadvertently offensive to, you know, but this sort of incel Reddit watching yeah. troll that is just waiting for a banner carrier to lead the way so that they can tip over into, you know, domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my thought was kind of like, A, it's a movie, right? The movie is not telling yeah. people to do this. The movie is, it's, it's, a, it's a, it follows this. He's a villain. Nobody thinks the, nobody thinks the Joker's a hero. It doesn't make him a hero. He's a very disturbed murderer. But it does an effective job of trying to do what Nolan did, which was like, what would... Is there a way in which a world that's more recognizable to the world we actually live in where this kind of a character could actually come to be? Yeah. And I thought that's a that's a high bar for Joker, which is a crazy over the top character. 
I thought they did a pretty compelling job of kind of making a one-off movie origin story of how such a fantastical comic book character might come to be in a world that's parallel enough to our own. And, and all of that, he didn't have an army of clowns. It's just people were emulating him and throwing Molotov cocktails in the streets. And it felt at that time genuinely scary because I'm like, there is an element in America that we're seeing today that is upsettingly like this. You know, what was upsetting about it was not that it was like, yes, this is good, but this is plausible. Right. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to this one. So I will say there's a there's a whole bunch of things I would put in the I don't think it worked column. And then there are some things that I would put in the it worked column for the Justice League. And I think in the it worked column for me was was Henry Cavill or Cavill or whatever his name is as Superman. I thought Superman was effective in this. I thought Wonder Woman, uh, Gal Gadot has just carried that role in every time she's appeared in screen on screen, I think. Mm-hmm. She's sort of perfect uh, casting for that. There were some flash sequences I liked, but I didn't particularly like how they handled the character overall. Um, and I think... I think Aquaman's... Ca- I mean, what's the, what's that actor's name again? I'm spacing Jason on. Momoa. Yeah, I think Jason Momoa is terrific on stream. He's a movie star. Yes. And I think he's he's it's a strong pick. I think that they haven't quite dialed it into focus yet. What because Aquaman is a really tough character. Mm-hmm. You know, in a cartoon, he wears the green and yellow, and he's got the little things. And they're he was making, corny on the super. Yeah, where yeah. he's just talking to fish, and the fish are like, "Okay, I'll swim you over here." Yeah. And, and, and you know, after school cartoons, you're kind of like, "Okay," still a little underwhelming. But to make him badass is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason Momoa is this. So his energy is he, he's hot, right? He's smolderingly hot. And they establish that where he's they take a shirt off and he's got all the kind of tattoos and he's shredded and he's got the long hair and he's very, you know, heavy metal and sort of a brute. You know, he's smolderingly hot, but the the, the ocean is not smolderingly hot, right? The <laughs> yes, ocean yeah. is it's cold and wet right. and over yeah. I mean it's enormously powerful. And I think when they have things like that scene where the 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 sea spray goes and comes up and then he's sort of gone and it that's a neat concept, but to me that's like the sea coming up and snuffing out a candle in a way. It's like they need to figure out a way to conceive of that character as deep and mysterious and mercurial and unknowable and cold and deadly, you know, and sometimes serene, but sometimes just unstoppable. And I don't think you'd see too many settings, too many set pieces where he's the dominant one, but the world is 75% covered in water, so... Mm-hmm. You could figure it out. I mean, you could have a, something set on a, a deep sea oil rig or something. You know what I mean? Like you could be. Yeah. There's lots of reasons to be out in the ocean where his powers come to the fore. But in this movie, it was just he was just always kind of tagging along with the trident. And I'm like, I don't. Maybe he doesn't carry the trident all the <laughs> right. So I would say, I would say 
the rest of it kind of falls in the didn't work for me. Okay, it does work. The women. The women in this movie, I think, were the strongest things. We've got Lois Lane. We've got Clark Clark's mother. Um, and we've got Wonder Woman. And that's really all the female performances you see. But it, the scenes in which people are talking and you're supposed to care about what they're saying, to me, is the best ones were all the scenes involving women Especially when, like, I guess it turns out to be Martian Manhunter, but Lois is talking to Clark's mother, and um, Lois is talking to Clark, and Wonder Woman's talking to Clark, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. cuts through this dun-dun-dun mood when somebody, you know, she's trying to, she's like, Kal-El, remember who you are, and it's a corny line. There's a bunch of corny lines in this. But she's actually acting from the heart, and it gives you this, it gives you this vibe of like sincerity that cuts through all the manufactured CGI vague, lazy baloney. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I felt exactly the same way. And that's kind of what I meant with, with what I was saying before, where those scenes feel like it's not even the same movie, you know, because you have these. And I think Zack Snyder can work with actors well. There are. Yeah. You know, there are there are good acting performances here, but it's a real and again, I don't want you know, I don't want people to think that, like, I want everything to be Schindler's List or something. You know, I want super, you know, the the superhero movies to me and where Marvel really knocks it out of the park is you have to do this balance between being too serious and being too campy, you know, you you can go too serious and it doesn't work, but right. you can go too campy and then you have Batman and Robin, you know, the one from that yeah. everybody hated, you know, with and and I think the Marvel movies, the best ones really flirt with both extremes, but they manage to oscillate back and forth between the two extremes. Like yes. just when it starts to feel too fraught and too they inject a little genuine levity and corniness into it. Mm hmm. And then just when it starts to feel like, so this is a comedy or what are we doing here? You know, it tips back into someone you actually care about on screen is in genuine danger. And you're like, oh, are they going to kill him right now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So like that scene that you talked about with Lois and uh, Clark's mother. That's just like, okay, this could just be in any drama film. And then you're just five minutes later, it's a cartoon. You know, and And they're not saying anything heavy. No, they're no. not giving each other the nuclear code. They're just speaking they're, like humans. Yeah. They, she's know. lost a son. Uh, the other one's lost a, a boyfriend or a husband, and they're just like, you know, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I and it's, but it's very. It's not like the text is Shakespeare. No, it's just very sincerely felt, and you're like, oh man, I'm feeling that. It's it, it's it's probably not fair, and you know, we're talking about a movie that's forty years old or whatever. Uh, but you think of something like the empire strikes back you know there there's pl- plenty of action in that and plenty of you know i don't know if things are are corny but you know some lighter things and then there's genuine emotion in that you know when they when they lower han into the and i mean even there's a joke there but it's still when they lower han into the carbonite thing you know uh, or Luke, you know, with with Darth Vader, and he reveals <laughs> that he's his father and everything, you know. And it doesn't have to be Shakespeare, but 
you can have emotion. And, and I think it's, they were going for emotion at times. And it just, you know, the emotion is, you know, we got to do this to save the planet or whatever we're doing, you know, you know what I mean? It's just that kind of stuff that just really falls flat. And um, with Aquaman, I think part of the problem is they don't give him much to do. I think, you know, Jason Momoa is just a guy that you look at and it's just like, this guy looks like a badass, right? But he's likable. Yeah. And he can do these douchey lines, but you still like him, you know, but that's kind of give him douchey lines. Yeah. That's kind of all they give him to do that. That's all they give him to do is to be like, hell yeah, you know, we're let's do this, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just like every once in a while, they'll give him like a full sentence, you know, to deliver. And it's, he's not a, I mean, he's a good actor, you know, but give him more to do, give him some, than just throw out douchey one-liners. He's, he's capable of much, much, you know, this guy's not Vin Diesel, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I think some of the sequences were pretty good. I enjoyed the flash sequence where he saves, there's a car crash outside and he goes zipping around in the slow-mo. I mean, we've seen that in, in the Marvel movies too with Quicksilver, but mm-hmm. it's just really entertaining to see that see the CGI used in that way where we imagine a guy that's running so fast that everything looks like it's, it's extreme slow-mo. I did find the lightning they put all over the place kind of distracting. Like he goes running and there's just these arcs of lightning flashing everywhere. And I thought, I get that later it's something about power and needs to power something up. But there, you know, there's a TV show, the flash that they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And also, they've all got their costumes are all incredibly yes. overbuilt. Yes. And there's a there's a scene in which they all kind of land somewhere, you know, and you see their feet, and you're just like, those are the dumbest shoes and boots <laughs> I think I've ever. You know, Wonder Woman, who's basically wearing, I mean, she's got a pair of, like, uh, cheerleader bloomers on with, like, a little leather, It's I guess it's a skirt. It's kind of a loincloth. And she's got these kind of, you know, Grecian lace-up calf-high boots, but they're heels. Yeah. <laughs> you think, that's, not only is that stupid and sexist and impractical, it's not Wonder Woman. Like, she would just have a pair of, flat like grecian it like just doesn't make it, kind it, of, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense right. they don't help her go faster if anything they're slowing her down it's just i just felt like dudes designed all this you know like college dudes designed all this mm-hmm. yeah and aquaman yeah. is not it would almost make sense to me if he was just wearing like uh you know like a. Like the guys, uh, guys, the people that dive for pearls and stuff, they basically just have a, a loincloth. They just have a belt that they can tie their knife to. And they more or less dive nude. Mm-hmm. Like I would think that Aquaman wouldn't wear much at all. You're the, right. The cold doesn't bother him, right? Yeah, and early on, it's like he's wearing jeans. He's like swimming. It's like, why is he wearing jeans and right. swimming around? But you know, they give doesn't... him like Aquaman armor or yeah. something. And it. I'm just like, why he's... It looks sort of like scales, and it's all too much. It's all, and they give Superman a new black suit for some reason. Again, that was another thing. It's like a black suit that'd be badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just oh, like okay. why? Because it's black. 
you know, there's no purpose. And Batman's it. suit is all like it's there's so much texture to everything. His suit is like all gritty and cross hatched and you know, it's not everything just you can see his so abs. Busy. It's like, yes, it's so busy and all the capes have got like fifty pleats at the shoulder and it's all CGI and it's all this and the flash think... is wearing this goofus helmet and it's you know, I'm just like yeah. I think a lot of this goes back to or when I kind of first felt like I noticed this in movies was the Transformers movies. I can't watch those because everything the you know, instead of just using basically the designs of the original toys in the cartoons. Right. And just making them, you know, look like they're in the real world. It's like we have to have a million little shapes, triangles and rectangles and things all put together. And that's how this is. Like we have, we haven't talked about Cyborg yet. Cyborg. Right. He instead of looking and I don't know exactly what he looks like now He's in the comics mess. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> instead of looking kind of like RoboCop or something, he you know, his armor is just all of these little millions of shapes put together. Why? What purpose does that serve? Steppenwolf, like I, I think we've said this a couple of times already. His armor is just all these little pieces of metal that move around. Why? What? What does that serve? I don't know. But it's just like, and, and I don't mind detail, but there's no specificity. Yeah, right? and it's there's just no specif- there's no reason for anything to be a certain way. There's nothing in the design that indicates a certain use. It's not like if you get Steppenwolf's armor off, he's more vulnerable. You know, he's just this CGI. Of course, the bad guys, for some unfathomable reason, are all British. My lord, we must destroy this world. Because British sounds cool. Millions before it. Thank you for telling me the obvious. (laughs) What what is happening? Well, and, and also, for whatever reason, and I don't think this... I saw the Aquaman movie, but again, it was only once. So, you know, I don't remember every detail of it. But for whatever reason, Amber Heard is British. Why is she British? I don't. Right. Nobody knows. They're underwater. Under the Why, sea, Atlantis England was British. Yeah, yeah. But and and like Flash, Flash's costume is a bunch of different shapes put together. And I was thinking, you know, Flash's costume wouldn't be a whole hell of a lot different than Deadpool. And I know Deadpool is, you know, those movies are pretty much comedies. But he's just in a rubber suit that's yeah. just pretty simple. It's yeah. not like it's not like, hey, let's take this and put a bunch of geometric shapes on it and scars and. Well, I think you, know, you could actually stuff. you could make you could create some variety in the suits. It, you know, if Flash's suit was actually kind of funny, like if yeah. he looked like a speed skater, like he was all streamlined, like it was this sort of spandex diving suit that he had the goggles, and it was like, who's this clown? You know, but he's arguably one of the most powerful. Like, he could go so fast, he could go back in time. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Uh, you know, I mean, he's like, you don't think so he's fast. And you're like, yeah, but he's, we don't see it yet in this movie, but he's insanely powerful, really. Right. And part of the thing is that he doesn't really even realize the, the depths to which that exists. But it would be funny. It's funny to make him a feckless kid. And it's, I think it'd be even funnier to put him in a funny looking suit. And, you know, yeah. it gives him all kinds of opportunities for people to underestimate him. Yeah. And then, you know, he's zipping around. I don't know. I just feel like it could have been, you could have, instead of doing D bag lines, you could have, 
built the comedy into other ways. Like they, they look like this crack force of badass, you know, A-listers. It could be more of a ragtag group of like Batman. Batman it works alone, right? Bat, the last thing Batman wants to do is put together a te- an A-team mm-hmm. and have a, a, a home base with a big, you know, that's the Avengers, right? That's Tony Stark. He's a megalomaniac. This yeah. Batman is a he's a soloist who hates <laughs> hates having to relate to other people. Right. So, you know, you could he's doing this he recognizes he can't do this alone, so he needs to put these people together and his job is really doing the bare amount of of what it takes to keep this team together and on task. And then Superman's the Captain America. Superman's the motivator, you know, the the moral compass. Right. And, and Wonder Woman to a certain degree. And then everybody else is just kind of a specialist, right? You got the water specialist. You got the speed specialist. You got the techno specialist. And, you know, Batman kind of funds everything when that needs to happen. But he's not there cracking jokes and holding it all together. He's... I mean, I felt like Batman was sort of Captain America in this movie. And I was like, Yeah, that's a good comparison. But that's comparison. not Batman. Right. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I agree. And, you know, the casting, I totally agree with you. Henry Cavill is perfect. That You know, there's been some talk of uh, if they would recast him. I think that would be a mistake. I think he's perfect in the role. As you said, Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot, or, you know, however you say it. Um, I don't think, you know, ho- I hopefully she proves me wrong, but I don't think she's going to win an Oscar or anything, but she is perfect in this role. Um, not and, for these movies. They're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's for sure. But I don't have, I think I'm fine with all the cast. I, I don't have any problem with the casting. Um, and I would, I would really like to, I would be happy to see this whole cast come back for another movie just not a movie just like this, you know, I, I, with a lot of these fight scenes and things, I, you know, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, are there adults that really enjoy this? You know, watch, watch these fights, you know, and it, it does get better as it goes along. You know, that last, the, the last battles and everything are, are better. But early on, I was just like, I don't know if I can take four hours of this. It's um, so formulaic. There's just a swarm of CGI alien goons that you, that there's you don't you, they're just drones. That's all they are. And there's the whole battle sequence each time is like we have to fight our way through. It is exactly like a video game. Yeah, you, know, you have to fight your way through wave after wave of meaningless drones and not die basically until you get to the boss. And then the boss has special skills, and you have to figure out a way to beat the boss in this context. And then the boss kind of gets away and you have to do it all over again and repeat, repeat, repeat. And they do it. This one's underground and this one's on a mountaintop and this one's in a forest. It's just mind numbing. The plot just stops, right? Plot as it is just stops. And they do that now a 20 minutes of CGI mayhem. Yeah. And you know, I've read a lot. I haven't read a ton since this came out, but I've just seen a lot of comments online from, and you know, there are people who are like, this movie is terrible. It's the worst movie I've ever seen, you know, and all this. It's not that. It's not that, but we've but, seen uh, worse, but we've discussed worse movies. Yeah. On this way, <laughs> way worse movies. Um, 
but I've also seen comments of this is vastly just so much better than the theatrical version and it's a totally different movie. And, and I'm just like, I didn't see gigantic differences right. between the two. I mean, there's, we can, we can talk about the very, the very ending, uh, you know, with, with Joker and everything, but also I looked up the budget today. Uh, and I, I don't know if these numbers are, are accurate, but the, the site that I found said um, the original cut, the budget was 300 million and then they gave Zack Snyder 70 million, you know, to reshoot and do whatever for this HBO max release. And, you know, people will talk about comic book movies and action movies and, and these kind of films as well. You just, you know, you just turn off your brain. You just turn off your brain again. Uh, you know, this has now been over 20 years ago, but the first Matrix, you know, the first Matrix is a film full of CGI. Uh, and it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't know how, you know, this stuff holds up, uh, the, the CGI aspect. But, you know, all these, there's battles and all this kind of thing. But you never feel like, I got to turn my brain off. Right. And when a movie is now, you're talking $370 million that they And the Matrix spent. stars Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it stars Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, I love Keanu, but he's probably never going to win an Oscar either, you know. Uh, but you've got $370 million in this. Can, for $370 million, I don't think you should be you know, nothing's perfect, but I don't think you should have gigantic flaws at that budget. You ought to have a script yeah. that's well-written, you know, a good story that's not just a, a million cliches, good dialogue, good acting, and good special effects. I don't, it, it's it been done. There, You can do a giant blockbuster, you know, CGI spectacle movie and have it be a great film. It's sure. possible to do. Um, or at least an interesting film. Yeah. Right? At least an interesting film. Like, I, I, we won't spoil Tenet, but you and I saw Tenet. And do I think that's a perfect movie? No. But it's right in Christopher Nolan's wheelhouse of, like, mind-bending, time play, you know, thriller, action stuff. And I, I need to go... I mean, you can talk about whether or not how effective it is to make what's effectively a blockbuster movie that you need to watch twice to even get your head around. Yeah. But uh, but I, I want to go back and watch it again because I enjoyed enough of it so much that the kind of head scratching, wait, wait, no, what, what was that about? Like, I want to go back and unpack it some more. Right. And that's a success to me. So perfect movie, no, but interesting to me. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and there wasn't the CGI in that movie was mostly about the time effects. There wasn't like, you know, CGI villains and it was more or less real life. It's sort of a James Bond, like gunplay and body armor and just tactical action movie. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you know, with filmmakers, um, you know, when they. Because there's a lot of this, and I, you know, again, maybe I'm going to sound like a curmudgeon with this. You know, I'm not against CGI. You know, it can it can be very effective in films, but there are lots of things in this where it's just like they could have had they could have used real grass here. They could have had this in a real building. Um, you know, why does 
everything have to be CGI? And are as they're making they these probably movies... did it on a soundstage. Yeah, right? yeah. So this is this is the farm. It's soundstage for farm, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why. But are every everyone that's working on this are they are they thinking wow that looks really good you know this looks realistic or are they thinking this looks like a video game this doesn't look like it's real you know yeah i don't know it's it's true into the every little capillary of it so they go to dig up clark kent right to dig up superman and there's just a simple plot in a simple cemetery with a simple gravestone that says Clark Kent, right? Now, people have gone and festooned Jim Morrison's grave, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You're telling me that people haven't spray-painted this. Yeah. There's not some, there's not people hanging out at Superman's grave. Like, this was Superman. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows where it is. Come on. This is, I mean, that's just not how life works. No. There's a lot of stuff like that in, in this. It's the movie whole movie where... is cut of that cloth, yeah. and it, I, I will not go off on another rant. It makes me furious <laughs> because all you have to do is not that. Like all you have to do is think about it for a second and just make a movie that feels more true somehow. I'm willing to suspend my disbelief. And it, sure, it, I mean we're talking about a movie where people fly right. and have laser beams coming out of their eyes and right. stuff. Yeah, but so. he had a giant monument in downtown Manhattan or Metropolis or whatever the heck it was, right? Mm-hmm. A forty foot monument to Superman. He's just buried in some humble little whatever. There's no come on, come on. They're yeah. gonna have like Grant's tomb. They're gonna have some, whether he's in there or not. There's you. You just have to. Honor the reality you create on screen. Yeah. Yeah, getting into... I was thinking, you know, uh, this is getting into nitpicky stuff, but like The Flash, his dad is in prison for... Right, uh, Billy Crudup. Buddy Billy Crudup. Yeah, really good actor, right? They put... He's in prison for, you know, falsely accused of killing his wife or whatever. And Flash goes to visit him and he's going to get a criminal justice degree so he can you know, learn how to get his dad out of prison. And, you know, the dad says, you're wasting your life. You know, don't do this. Go off and do something else. So at the end, after he's joined the Justice League and Bruce Wayne has uh, commented on him for the great job that he made making his suit that's made out of whatever, some space age material or whatever. And so at the end, he goes back to the prison and it's like, guess what, dad? I got this entry level criminal justice job whatever it is and he's like my my boy's got a he's got an entry-level job you know and it's like in real life bruce wayne would just be like yeah you're gonna come you know you're like a super genius kid you're gonna come and work for me at wayne industries or whatever i'm gonna pay you a million dollars a year you know because well, secretly you're part of the justice league you know what i mean it, he's not gonna go life, take like a twenty-five thousand dollar a year job you know in real life if your buddy was batman <laughs> And your father di- was in jail for oh, yeah. wrongly for killing your mother. Also, yeah, you would Bruce get Wayne, your father out of jail. Yeah, yeah, also, yeah, exactly the same thing. He would be like, he owns uh, six satellites. Yeah. He can't get your dad out of jail. Yeah, also, he'd be like, yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne. 
I have the best attorneys in the world, so we're going to get your dad out. I live in one of the most corrupt societies in the history of the world, but there's nothing I can do about your wrong convicted (laughs) father. Yeah. If only money or some other power could affect the justice system. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We're literally the Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) But there's nothing we can do about your dad. I know he didn't do it, but there's nothing we can do. We can stop an alien or interdimensional or whatever invasion. We could literally break him. We could break him and spring him from prison. The Flash could do it himself. Exactly. But that would would be wrong. Yeah, we can't do that. You could get in there, get the keys, get your dad out before anybody even knew what happened. They they wouldn't even record it on camera, but no, that would be wrong. We're going to go let him live in Superman's uh, solace of fort. What is it called? Uh, Yeah. Fortress of Solitude. Putting a wrong man in prison, you know, a wrongfully, he's innocent. Putting an innocent man in prison for the rest of his life is wrong, but springing him from prison is wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot so of dumb, stupid. There's a lot of dumb stuff like that, you know. And uh, I guess every I, movie has, you know, those things. Well, but 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 to say, but you go like, come on, guys, it's a comic book movie. What you're saying is, we're we set out to make a stupid movie. So now you're upset that it's stupid, and I would just say, I'm sorry, but the Marvel franchise just blew that argument out of the water because are the Marvel movies stupid baloney? Of course. Of course they're stupid CGI baloney. But they figure out a way to feel true to their own universe. Star Trek is a stupid baloney sci-fi fantasy, whatever. It stays true to its own universe, and that's why it inspires this devout fan base that loves Gene Roddenberry's universe because it it goes to the trouble. And you can say, well, the you know, the scene where they, the obligatory scene where they explain why the baloney science fiction could work because of baloney science fiction is baloney. You're like, yes, yes, it is baloney. But they're taking the time to be like, normally this wouldn't be possible, but we might be able to science it if we risk our lives, right? It's what they're doing is they're creating emotional stakes and they're doing science, sci fi exposition as a way of bridging that gap and this movie doesn't not only does it not bother to try and bridge those gaps it creates its own gaps by undermining the reality it's creating as it's going it's like it's this way this way this way oh but not now because it's a different way because we want a cool explosion okay now it's more or less back to this way what where were we oh i don't know so now it's this way now you know and as though they just expect people not to be paying attention or they expect people to have turn their brains off yeah and that like i said before the turning your brain off thing just drives me nuts it's like why you know it's it's really looking down on your audience i I don't know that that's that's purposeful but well it's lazy at best and it's insulting at worst you know there are i still read comics and there are some amazing writers and some amazing writing happening in even superhero comics. Get one of those guys. Just be like, hey, you're doing a great job writing comics. Write this script. You know? Um, we'll pay you $100,000 or whatever, you know, which would be peanuts. Yeah. Well, and, they, may, they may have, and then the studio head's like, yeah. mm, I, don't, I don't know. Can't we have a couple of, get a hot babe in here to make us like a corny joke. And then the guy will like drop the ball cause she's hot. 
And then can't we have like the bad guy, the three bad guys, and one of them's like in armor and the other's in the cloak? Can't we do that? And he, this is the guy paying your checks, and you're like, well, I don't think that makes sense. Hey, yeah, do that. I mean, what do you, you know? Yeah, what it's, are they going to do? They have no power. They're just you get into a too many cooks aspect so much, much of the time, I think, with these big movies. I watched, uh, I was going down the YouTube rabbit hole over the weekend, and I saw a little bit of an interview with, um, I never know how to pronounce his name, uh, Taiki Watiti, or the, the guy who, have you, did you see Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. So the guy who, uh, who wrote and directed that um, had not done anything big budget before that. He came from what we do in the shadows and some other things. And, um, but he, Ragnarok was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what, so he pitched to Marvel and he was like, you know, I've never done anything bigger than like a few million dollars or whatever. And he's, he's like, I don't know how to do these. And I, he jokes a lot. So I don't know how much, you know, he was just saying this, but I'm sure there's some truth in this. And he said, I don't know how to do the special effects stuff. He's like, I can make it entertaining and fun. And they're like, well, we'll handle, you know, don't worry about that stuff. You know, we have, you know, experts that can do the special effects stuff. And he said, every day on set, and he said, they just pretty much let me do whatever I wanted to do. And he said, every day on set, you know, I just look over my shoulder and be like, okay, one of these Marvel guys is going to come and be like, okay, you're, you're done. You're out of here. You know, you're not doing. And he said, it never happened. They just let me make the movie basically. And I think, you know, obviously there's a danger in that where you are dealing with two and $300 million budgets, but you also, you know, get talented people and put them in place. I think another great example of that is the Suicide Squad, or not Suicide Squad, but the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Right. I'm glad you, know, that, you didn't stick with Suicide yeah, Squad. Although the, that same guy is directing the next Suicide Squad. Well, so that I'm might really be interesting. I'm yeah. really excited about it. But yeah, he has a vision, basically. And, you know, before that came out, everybody was saying, oh, this is the first Marvel movie that they finally screwed up. It's going to flop. And, you know, they basically let that guy... Uh, do what he wanted to do for the most part. And great casting in that yeah. movie, Ragnarok, actually. The yeah, yeah. chemistry, the chemistry between I don't know any of their names, but basically I mean I know some of their names, but basically the chemistry between Hulk, Thor, Valkyrie, and then they got um the fly. Uh, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum to be the bad guy. And they just had him be so, Jeff Goldblum. I know. So brilliant. And the comedy is so stupid and juvenile. I mean, I know we've been railing against stupid, but it's so deliberately stupid, you know, because you have Thor, who is, he's charming because he's handsome and sort of all powerful, but he's kind of a big dummy, right? He's mm -hmm. kind of a, like when he tries to pontificate, he's sort of a dumbo. And, you know, he's blah, 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 something about Asgard. And the other guy's like, Asgard? <laughs> like, it's the <laughs> stupidest lowbrow joke. But, you know, you put, give it to Jeff Goldblum to deliver, and he hits the perfect note of, you know, incredulity. Like, he somehow elevates that lowbrow <laughs> joke. Yeah. And the, that ensemble and Ruffalo, you know, I mean, it, it just all worked. And it's, it is. Of the movies, even against Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a dumb lowbrow movie. In, yeah, in bright Technicolor colors, and but it really it it flies. Yeah, 
And, you know, I think, I think a big problem with Justice League, and they did this with Superman versus Batman and, uh, and the, you know, the Man of Steel and all that, is you're taking, you're trying to put, you know, Batman has been a dark character. He's been a campy character, but he's been, a, you know, the kind of more modern iteration of Batman that we're used to is pretty dark. But these other characters are not necessarily dark. Superman's not a dark character. You know, uh, Superman is, you know, the big blue Boy Scout or whatever they call him. And um, it's not that you can't do serious things with him, but you're taking all of these. Like you said, uh, Aquaman is kind of a, a ridiculous character. They you could have put a, a line or two here or there just making fun of the ridiculousness of their costumes, you know. Have somebody make a line about, um, you know, he's not dumb in the way that Thor is portrayed in that movie. But, you know, make some kind of a reference to the fact that Aquaman is this guy with long hair and tattoos and he's not wearing a shirt and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it, it's. There will be a great Justice League movie made someday, I hope. And I really think. It could be, we talked about this a few weeks ago with Tom, but it could be, I, I think these characters are better than the Avengers. Um, you you know, know, you know, maybe what it is, and we're almost at time, so I want to wrap mm, it up, but maybe sure. what it is, is the Avengers more or less live in our world. Like the Avengers, Tony Stark's tower is set in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Like they've CGI, right? It's not in San Francisco. It's not in Metropolis. It's in, it's in Manhattan. So they they take the world that we live in and they they're, they're other they move to upstate New York and they anchor it on the real map, with some exceptions of like Wakanda. It's a magical place in Africa, but it's like oh, but you can't see. They they give you some Star Trekky explanation of why that fits into the whatever. It's more or less our world plus superheroes. I think the DC universe is really a parallel universe, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of metropolis you know central city or whatever it's 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 also kind of set in a 1940s mindset you know Mm -hmm. and i think it would be really interesting if they tried to make do you ever see dark city yeah i loved uh, we should watch that on the show because i've watched it in years i I loved it at the time if people don't know about that movie then that's worth rewatching. um but there's a stylized it's not modern whatever it's we won't get into it now but there's a stylized you know 40s almost noirish element to it and i i feel like so many of these characters are archetypal to the mindset of that time and it might be really interesting to make metropolis feel more like you know the new york of the 40s when newspapers were that you know people weren't tweeting each other it was like Batman steals a, you know, stops another crime. And it just sort of, the whole pace and mentality of things would be, you know, where there are digital cameras everywhere and his gadgets don't need to be next gen from our perspective. They just need to be next gen from a, you know, the idea of an armored car in the 40s was a military thing. Like, oh, well, the Nazis developed an armored car, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'm just trying to figure out a way to bring it into focus because the characters really do resonate with primary, almost Jungian 
archetypes. Sure. And it feels like we're talking about how overcomplicated all their costumes are. Putting them in 2020 with what's going on today, our lives today will feel so overcomplicated and in some ways overempowered. Like we have too much news, too much information, too much fake news, too much spin, too much access to, you know, mm-hmm. and it, that I recently moved out of New York and I'm living up here in a quieter place and my brain just feels calmer. Like I can hear birds singing in the morning and yeah. life is slower and I I'm feel happier. Good, good. It's not just so much constant stimulus. And I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe we want to go back to a time when people didn't feel like they had a babillion options and these powerful people were more godlike in simpler ways. I don't know. I don't know how to bring it into focus, but they are great characters. Yeah. It's not quite working along the Marvel um, recipe. You know, it's not, sure. it's not yeah. quite, it's, sometimes it's terribly not working, but this one had its moments, but just didn't feel like it Yeah, came yeah. into sync. I would say, kind of to sum up my feelings about the movie, I'm glad that Zack Snyder got to, yeah. you know, make his vision. I'm glad that there are people who, the people that love this, that's great. You know, I sure. don't want to. Uh, pee in anybody's Cheerios or whatever. I I think... Please don't. I, I, I will not do that. I definitely will not do that. Um, I think this movie... And I, I'm a lifelong comic book fan. I love comic book movies. I think this movie was just not for me. I just... It just didn't, for the most part, did not, you know, land with me. There were good things about it. I think the cast is great. Um, there's a there's a good movie in here somewhere, but it's just too much CGI battle stuff for me. I agree. And I, I we got a call. We didn't even get into the bad guys like Lex Luthor and Joker and stuff that pop up at the end, but that's fine. Yeah. It, they're disappointing. Anyway, so, I, you know, in terms of a thumbs up, thumbs down, do you recommend it? Sort of sounds like... Yeah, if you're into it, but I mean, if, if you, you have got an HBO, HBO Max, Max and you're interested, sure, watch it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I have HBO, and we talked about this uh, today. I guess they're going to do a black and white version for some reason. I don't really know why that's necessary, <laughs> okay. but you okay. know, do what you whatever. Do. Maybe some of the CGI stuff would look better in black and white. I don't know, but I can't. I mean, I, I will say I broke this up. I didn't. I didn't watch this all in one sitting. It, the four hour runtime. It didn't seem like four hours. I will say that, um, especially after Superman showed up, it, it that last hour I did enjoy. It. So. I broke it up too, so it didn't feel like four hours to me. I probably watched the better part of it in one sitting and then came back to it. I just, I can't. I'm old man. I can't watch sit for four hours and watch the screen. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Um, we haven't talked about what we're going to do next time, but we'll do something good. Um, I mean, unless do you want to just shoot from the hip, do you want to do? We Dark talked City about that uh, um, that Darkly Noon. Did you watch that? Yet? Oh, I haven't. But you think it's good to do? I think it's definitely in the in the wheelhouse of of the show. Okay, well let's uh, okay let's we go that. from very big to very small because I think it was a small small movie. Great. Well, so, I feel be a like more like what we do. Yeah, we'll go back to um, very small. And my buddy Tyler Livingston wrote in again and. 
mentioned Tron, which of course to you and me is probably a big budget thing from our childhood, but there might be people today that aren't aware of aren't aren't aware of Tron. Mm-hmm. We might want to consider doing the original Tron at some point. That's eighties from our childhood, the first I haven't seen generated. it in a long long time and imagery I liked, on screen. I liked the the sequel too. But so, but let's yeah. do what is it actually called? It's, it's called, called it's called the uh the something of darkly noon. I, if you bear with me for just one second yes, here, it the has passion, uh, the passion, the passion of darkly, of darkly noon. Yeah, Jordan, Brendan Fraser, Ashley Judd, and Vigo Mortensen. And it's from like 1999 or and they're all young. or something like. That. Yeah, very young. Very young, and it's weird and dark. Weird and dark. And Chris has seen it, and then I have not. So that's what we're gonna do for next time. Um, and it's on for- Prime. So. It's on Prime if you're a subscriber to Prime. So there you go. Um, thank you so much for listening to a couple of old farts rant about comic book movies. <laughs> uh, I've enjoyed it. You can send us hate mail or you can send it if sure, you agree. Sure. Chris, you can do that. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Uh, we do read them. We don't always, I guess people have suggested stuff. We haven't done any of the suggestions. But please do suggest them. Uh, it's not to say we'll never get to them. Um, and we are going to do The Passion of Darkly Noon for next time. And um, on that note, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>